I would invite you to take out your Bibles this morning, opening to the book of Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. As we turn our hearts once again to the Word of God, the book of Romans, you're probably familiar with, one of the most uh, significant books in all the Bible. We, it always gets a little dangerous when you start ranking books of the Bible in significance because all of them are of great significance because all of them uh, communicate to us and reveal to us the glory, the beauty, the nature of the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's, there's not one that's more significant than the others, but certainly throughout church history, the book of Romans is one that has been used at various times to, to even call the church out of darkness, to call the church out of, out of seasons, even centuries of uh, rebellion against the gospel, rebellion against Christ, to recall who God is, to recall who Christ is and what he has done and how to live rightly unto him. And so in that vein, uh, the book of, of Romans is a, a very significant book throughout church history. And we come to chapter 16, and this is the closing benediction that Paul prays upon the church at Rome. And it's a prayer that we can pray for our own hearts. You see, Paul has spent the first 12 chapters just laying out the doctrine of God, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of his gospel, the doctrine of his gospel accomplished through his son, Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the person and work of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of his eternal gospel, his election from the foundation of the world, and 12 chapters of just pure, beautiful God-honoring doctrine, truth. This is who our God is. Behold Him. And then in chapters 12, 13, 14, through the rest of the book, it's the application of that. It's now living in light of who God is, taking that and rearranging your life and your thinking in light of who God is. And he closes out this beautiful book of doctrine and practical living with this prayer of benediction. Romans chapter 16 beginning in verse 25, and we will use this as our own prayer to the Lord, seeking His face as the Apostle Paul models for us this morning. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. When it's all been said and done, Paul writes, Now to Him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. What a wonderful prayer, a benediction, a prayer that he prays for the church. That in light of all that God is and all that God has done, chapters 1 through 11, oh, that He would bless you as you seek to live unto it, chapters 12 through 16. And this prayer that He prays, notice, it's not even centrally about the church. Notice that God's glory is what Paul is seeking in this prayer. Is that what we seek together this morning? As we turn our hearts together in prayer? God's glory through Jesus Christ is the great cause of Paul's praise. And it must be in ours as well. Paul's heart in this passage, his thesis statement, if you will, he kind of bookends the passage. Verse 25, to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. Now, who's the him who's able to strengthen you there? 
It's Jesus. That's right. It's God. It's God in Christ. To him who is able to strengthen you to do chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. To him who is able. And then skip down to the very last verse. Verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Now, in the middle section there, he's got a very real prayer of blessing that he plays upon, prays upon the church. But ultimately, what is his great cause of praise here? Is it the church? No, it's the glory of God. Him who is able to do this. Him who is able to strengthen us to obey, to know this God, to know His gospel, to love His Son, to live in light of His eternal gospel, which, if we're honest, especially when you get to like Romans 8, 9, 10, starts to really play with our minds. It confuses us that before the foundation of the world, God chose His people. He knows whom He sent His Son to die for by name. But nonetheless, to you be praise and glory. Why? Because we are counted among those people by your grace, by your electing love, to you be praise and glory. You made a promise to save us through your son Jesus, and you've done it. To you who is able to take us, weak, feeble, frail, sinners, rebels, and transform us, give us new hearts, and strengthen us, to continue to love Jesus Christ, to you, the only wise God. It takes nothing short of omnipotent wisdom to take a sinner like you and I and to transform us into a child of God and to strengthen us and conform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is nothing man could have, a scheme man could have come up with to accomplish it. Only God can do that. And this is why, after meditating upon the richness and the fullness of God, this prayer is captivated by the glory of God. That's what we want. That's what we seek in the church, the glory of God. As we pray this morning, that's what we seek. That's what we're here for. We've been brought here together for His glory. Is that why we're here? And in this prayer, God establishes His glory through a very specific means. God glorifies Himself in the church in a very specific way. And it's three times in verses 25, 26, and 27, you find the words, according to. To Him who's able to strengthen you, here's the means, according to my gospel. That's Paul saying the gospel of Jesus Christ that I have preached. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. What's he talking about there? The mystery of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to talk about he's able according to the command of the eternal God. You see, God glorifies himself very specifically and it's according to Jesus Christ. Christ is how God glorifies himself. The person of Christ, the work of Jesus Christ, the preaching of Jesus Christ in the church, that Christ would be all. Christ came and ushered in a new era, dawn upon the world, a secret that was long ago kept that God was going to save a people for himself, but nobody knew how. They lived by faith, but how it was going to be executed, nobody knew. And then Christ comes and he accomplishes it. And now 
New life belongs to those. Strength belongs to those who profess faith in Jesus Christ. It's God's salvation through Jesus Christ. So to him be all the glory. This morning we gather together. God has brought us, it's a means of grace to turn our hearts to be reminded of the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ, that he is all, that he is sufficient, that we really need nothing else. Now we have tasted and feasted of the world all week and, and, and it's gracious of God to bring us in to remind us nothing can compare to him. And where did we get him? From God. To him be the glory, the praise, the honor, all that we are, all that we hope to be, all that we need, is found in Jesus Christ, and that's why we're here. To Him be all the glory.